Chapter Thirty One of Marriage, Volume One. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. Recording by Patty Cunningham. Marriage, Volume One by Susan Edmonstone Ferrier. Chapter Thirty One. Farewell to the mountains, high covered with snow. Farewell to the straths and green valleys below. Farewell to the forests and wild hanging woods. Farewell to the torrents and loud roaring floods. Scotch Song Happily, in the moral world as in the material one, the warring elements have their prescribed bounds, and the flood of grief decreaseth when it can swell no higher. But it is only by retrospection we can bring ourselves to believe in this obvious truth. The young and untried heart hugs itself in the bitterness of its emotions, and takes pride in believing that its anguish can end but with its existence. And it is not till time hath almost steeped our senses in forgetfulness that we discover the mutability of all human passions. But Mary left it not to the slow hand of time to subdue in some measure the grief that swelled her heart. Had she given way to selfishness, she would have sought the free indulgence of her sorrow as the only mitigation of it. But she felt also for her uncle. He was depressed at parting with his wife and child, and he was taking a long and dreary journey entirely upon her account. Could she, therefore, be so selfish as to add to his uneasiness by a display of her sufferings? No, she would strive to conceal it from his observation, though to overcome it was impossible. Her feelings must ever remain the same, but she would confine them to her own breast, and she began to converse with and even strove to amuse her kind-hearted companion. Ever and anon, indeed, a rush of tender recollections came across her mind, and the soft voice and the bland countenance of her maternal friend seemed for a moment present to her senses, and then the dreariness and desolation that succeeded as the delusion vanished, and all was stillness and vacuity. Even self-reproach shot its piercing sting into her ingenuous heart, levities on which, in her usual gaiety of spirit, she had never bestowed a thought, now appeared to her as crimes of the deepest dye. She thought how often she had slighted the counsels and neglected the wishes of her gentle monitress, how she had wearied of her good old aunts, their cracked voices and the everlasting tick-a-tick of their knitting-needles, how coarse and vulgar she had sometimes deemed the younger ones, how she had mimicked Lady Maclaughlan and caricatured Sir Sampson, and even poor dear old Donald, said she, as she summed up the catalogue of her crimes, could not escape my insolence and ill-nature. How clever I thought it to sing, Hot away from me, Donald, and how affectedly I shuddered at everything he touched, and the Sneeshan mole was bedewed with tears of affectionate contrition but every painful sentiment was for a while suspended in admiration of the magnificent scenery that was spread around them. Though summer had fled, and few even of autumn's graces remained, yet over the august features of mountain scenery the seasons have little control. Their charms depend not upon richness of verdure, or luxuriance of foliage, or any of the mere prettinesses of nature but whether wrapped in snow or veiled in mist or glowing in sunshine their lonely grandeur remains the same and the same feelings fill and elevate the soul in contemplating these mighty works of an almighty hand 
the eye is never weary in watching the thousand varieties of light and shade as they flit over the mountain and gleam upon the lake and the ear is satisfied with the awful stillness of nature in her solitude others besides mary seem to have taken a fanciful pleasure in combining the ideas of the mental and elemental world for in the dreary dwelling where they were destined to pass the night she found inscribed the following lines the busy winds war mid the waving boughs and darkly rolls the heaving surge to land among the flying clouds the moonbeam glows with colors foreign to its softness bland here one dark shadow melts in gloom profound the towering alps the guardians of the lake there one bright gleam sheds silver light around and shows the threatening strife that tempests wake thus o'er my mind a busy memory plays that shakes the feelings to their inmost core thus beams the light of hope's fallacious ray when simple confidence can trust no more so one dark shadow shrouds each bygone hour so one bright gleam the coming tempest shows that tells of sorrows which though past still lower and this reveals the approach of future woes while mary was trying to decipher these somewhat mystic lines her uncle was carrying on a colloquy in gaelic with their hostess the consequences of the consultation were not of the choicest description consisting of braxy mutton raw potatoes wet bannocks hard cheese and whiskey very differently would the travellers have fared had the good nicky's intentions been fulfilled she had prepared with her own hands a moorfowl pie and potted note's head besides a profusion of what she termed trifles just for mary poor thing to divert herself with upon the road but alas in the anguish of separation the covered basket had been forgot and the labor of miss nicky's hands fell to be consumed by the family though miss grizzy protested with tears in her eyes that it went to her heart like a knife to eat poor mary's puffs and snaps change of air and variety of scene failed not to produce the happiest effects upon mary's languid frame and drooping spirits her cheek already glowed with health and was sometimes dimpled with smiles she still wept indeed as she thought of those she had left but often while the tear trembled in her eye its course was arrested by wonder or admiration or delight for every object had its charms for her her cultivated taste and unsophisticated mind could decry beauty in the form of a hill and grandeur in the foam of the wave and elegance in the weeping birch as it dipped its now almost leafless boughs in the mountain stream these simple pleasures unknown alike to the sordid mind and vitiated taste are ever exquisitely enjoyed by the refined yet unsophisticated child of nature End of chapter 31 Recording by Patty Cunningham